name is Ashley Lynn Hanks, and I am your coach, your guide, and your biggest cheerleader on your unlearning journey. I hope you enjoy the interview with Pastor Hannah Sims and the Healthy Christian Sexual Ethics series. This has been a wonderful couple of months of podcasting, and I'm so grateful you are listening and allowing me to help you along this journey. There are more powerful and fun interviews coming your way. So if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button to ensure you never miss an episode. Before I begin, I want to share with you a cancer research foundation I am super, super excited about. Every year I shave my head for the St. Baldrick's Foundation in honor of countless children who are enduring or have endured childhood cancer. The St. Baldrick's Foundation is about funding the very best in childhood cancer research grants. And so I want to do all that I can to help fund these research grants. If COVID-19 has taught us anything, it is the power and the priority we should have for medical research. We need to prioritize medical research so that no parent ever has to hear your child has cancer. The hope for our children and for our children's children is research, childhood cancer research. And we can pray for a miracle all we want, but we need to do the hard work of funding it. And if you have a means to give, please consider funding these miracles. Please consider donating to this amazing cause. I will put my fundraising link in the show notes as well as on my Instagram page. For those of you who have already supported the fundraiser, thank you. Thank you so very much. Every dollar to the St. Daldrick's Foundation, it means so much. So thank you for helping fund childhood cancer research grants. Now back to the show. One of the biggest challenges in deconstruction, one of the biggest obstacles in our unlearning journey is dealing with scripture. Many of us struggle with reading even a few sentences of the Bible after so many years of being hurt by it. Scripture has been used as a sacred weapon to condemn non-Christians, to condemn LGBT people, and to control and shame human sexuality. I know some people who can't even hear Christmas songs with the names of Mary or Jesus because the Bible and the stories in the Bible have been used to hurt them. If reading the Bible or studying the Bible is very triggering for you, I want you to know that you are totally normal. It is totally okay to not want to have a relationship with the sacred text. It is totally understandable. But if you are curious about the Bible and want to have a healthy, life-giving relationship with it, then this specific series on Luke is for you. I promise this podcast series on the Gospel of Luke is not a Bible study or a series of sermons. You won't need to pull out your pencil and pen and take notes on specific verses or theological ideas. You can if you want to, but you don't need to. I will repeat things a lot so that it's it's something that you understand and comprehend easily. I certainly won't give you homework. This series, which will last all the way to the end of the year, will be more like a devotional, food for thought, as you are driving on your morning commute or going on your daily run. I do plan on sharing a couple other smaller topical series throughout the year, which I'm really excited about, and I also want to continue to bring to you a bunch of other amazing interviews, but I want to make the Gospel of Luke our focus this year in order to give you a deeper experience of a healthy understanding and interpretation of the Bible. I want to walk you through that by walking you through the Gospel of Luke. 
The gospel, according to Luke, is so jam-packed with so much history and drama and healings and powerful parables. Luke provides a lot of insight into Christ, a kind of insight we don't necessarily pay attention to, which is interesting given the fact that Luke never met the historical Jesus. He makes that very clear in the opening verses. Since many have undertaken, this is verse 1 and 2 and 3, since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, verse 2, just as they were handed on to us by those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I, too, decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account, end quote. Those verses in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, help you to understand a couple things. Luke is not an eyewitness to any of these events. And Luke is taking the information he has gathered to give you a full account. I believe Luke's understanding of God, especially as a Gentile man, as a Greek man, is very powerful and healthy for us. If you go on this journey with me and slow down and really go through this book intentionally, I promise you'll have a different understanding of God, of scripture, and of yourself after we are all done. And most importantly, you'll begin to know Jesus more deeply. In studying the gospel of Luke, I want you to hear the voice of Christ in the text. I want you to hear the heart of Christ. I also want you to hear Luke's voice and Luke's heart. Scholars believe that Luke was probably a second or third generation Christian. Since he accompanied Paul during a portion of his ministry in Acts, we can conclude that Luke was part of a second generation group of Christians. We need to remember that the Bible does not have one voice. Since there are 66 books in the Bible, there must be at the very least 60-ish voices as there are 60-ish authors. I say 60-ish because some books are written by the same author. For example, Paul has written a couple of the letters and some books are written by multiple authors. We're just not sure. So I rounded off to 60-ish. But instead of using terms like biblical I want to encourage you to start using terms like Lucan or Matthean or Pauline. What is Lucan theology on love and Lucan theology on salvation? It's different than Pauline theology on salvation or Matthean theology on salvation. Each writer has a slightly different take, slightly different but significantly different take on these issues. When you read Luke, you are reading one man's understanding of Christ, and you are reading it through the paradigm of his agenda, his point for writing it. Just as they were handed on to us, this is verse two again, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided after investigating everything carefully from the very first to write an orderly account, end quote. After investigating these sources carefully, Luke is going to filter it all through his mind and tell you his version of the gospel story, which I truly believe is the greatest story ever told. 
Now, to understand the Gospel of Luke, we have to first talk about where it came from. What I'm about to say is going to get wonderfully confusing, so please don't feel pressured to understand it all or to even remember what I'm saying. I will bring up this part of the Luke's Gospel up over and over again as it applies to different passages of Scripture, so don't get discouraged. It's confusing. Just try to stay with me. First of all, all the Gospel writers are anonymous. Luke does not identify himself as the author of the Gospel of Luke. Only certain members of church history identify Luke as the author, specifically Luke, who accompanied Paul in certain parts of Paul's ministry. But all four Gospels have anonymous authors. Matthew does not identify himself as the author of Matthew, nor Mark, nor Luke, nor John. In addition to the anonymity of these Gospels, it is important to know that none of the original documents remain in existence today. We do not have the original Greek manuscripts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. All we have are copies, and copies have differences. My wife equates this reality to the children's game of telephone. The person closest to the first person is probably way more accurate than the 10th person in line. The same is true for copies of scriptural texts. The oldest manuscript of Luke, which is called Papyrus 4, literally called Papyrus Number 4. It dates to the 2nd century, early 4th century, and it's the oldest copy we have of the Gospel of Luke. But it is one of many copies that we have used to create our translations of the Gospel of Luke. And there are various differences in these copies. The entire series on Luke won't be this technical, but I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Because there will be times when I'll say, one manuscript has this verse, but other manuscripts don't have it. Knowing these differences can be a huge deal when interpreting scripture. So given that there are many copies of the Gospel of Luke with minor differences, where do the actual texts come from? Did Luke just write down what he heard from lots of late nights around the campfire with other people from the early church? Well, we know that the first gospel ever written was the gospel of Mark. And yes, we do not have the original text of Mark, only copies. And yet Matthew and Luke both had a copy of Mark's gospel and used it in writing their own version of the Jesus story. Matthew includes almost 600 of Mark's 661 verses. Luke used Mark as well. In addition to the Gospel of Mark, both men used something called a Q source. That's the letter Q, Q source, or a pamphlet. The Q source was a pamphlet that circulated ancient Palestine with the sayings of Jesus. Some of Luke comes straight from the Gospel of Mark with slight variations, and some of Luke comes from the Q source. This is called the two-source hypothesis. And not to get you more confused, but scholars believe that Luke used another source called the L source. (laughs) The L source is a special source unique only to Luke. Remember, this guy, whoever he is, did not see any of this happen. He did not see the angel visiting Mary or the shepherds or the Pharisees criticizing Jesus or the crucifixion. Everything he wrote is from other sources, the Gospel of Mark, the Q source, and some other source called the L source. It could have been a person. It could have been a document. We're not sure. That doesn't make 
what this gospel says, that doesn't make it any less holy or any less sacred. I know that's challenging because it can be a little unsettling sometimes to think about how the Bible is composed, but it, it doesn't make it less holy. Most evangelical pastors will not walk you through how the Gospel of Luke was compiled because they fear that it will take away its biblical authority, its biblical authenticity, that it will make you doubt the truth of Scripture. And maybe it will. But there is not one voice in the Bible telling you what to do, what not to do. And just because something isn't perfect or directly from God doesn't mean it's not holy. It doesn't mean it's not sacred. The Gospel of Luke is a sacred text compiled from multiple sources, and its sacredness has been affirmed by the history of the church for almost 2,000 years. That should say, that should mean something to you. And that should say and speak to this the power of this text on so many levels. I only bring this to your attention to help you to have a healthy understanding and a healthy relationship with the Lucan text. So just to briefly recap with a focus on Luke, Luke is not an eyewitness to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. He created his gospel narrative, his biography of Jesus, by using the gospel of Mark and a pamphlet that circulated ancient Palestine called the Q source, that is the letter Q source, and some other source scholars call the L source. Now, right away, we have many voices. There are multiple manuscripts, multiple copies of the Gospel of Luke that are used by scholars to create this gospel. Luke himself pulls from the Gospel of Mark, one voice, and a Q source, another voice, and some other L source, a third voice. That's a minimum of three sources. In addition to all of that, a close reading of the Gospel of Luke will show you Luke's authorship. Luke intentionally uses other stories and uses them in a certain way to point out and emphasize different things than Matthew. Before we end, I want to talk to you about this one big theme that is prevalent in the Gospel of Luke that you probably don't realize is there. And again, I mention it because this theme is not as big of a theme in the other Gospels. And that is the theme of Jesus and Satan. So I know I talked a lot about sources and different voices, but it is ultimately Luke, this Greek man, this really highly educated Greek man who we believe was in the medical field. It is ultimately his voice and his understanding of Christ that you are hearing when you read the Gospel of Luke. And he had a heavy emphasis on this theme of Jesus and Satan. Think about it. Jesus begins his public ministry being tempted in the wilderness by Satan. Then throughout Jesus' ministry, he's doing exorcisms and talking about how a, a house divided can't stand. Side note, that passage has nothing to do with college football. It has to do with this idea that the religious leaders thought Jesus was working on behalf of Beelzebub. Luke 11, verse 15, and I quote, But some of them said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. End quote. So there is this common theme in the Gospel of Luke, this very Greek dualistic theme of gods and good and evil that is not exactly present in other Gospels because the other Gospels were written by Jewish men, not a Greek man. 
Luke's race and ethnicity has much to do with how we understand Christ because it has been filtered through his understanding. And so I'm excited to reveal that more to you as we go along. My hope is that by the end of this series, that there would be no fear for you in approaching the text, that you will feel confident in looking at scripture for yourself, thinking critically about the Bible yourself, and that you will think in terms of distinct authorship by using terms like Lucan theology, Pauline, and Markan. I do want to encourage you to read the Gospel of Luke sometime this year. I know that is a tall ask, given how much scripture has been misused, and how I said moments before that this series won't be a Bible study, but it will help you tremendously to read the text along with me and to make these connections for yourself. Well, that's all I have for you today. I know that was a lot, but I hope this brief overview on the composition of Luke was interesting to you. Like always, please take what works for you, what feels right to you, and leave the rest. I only want to offer up these notes on deconstruction to help you. They are food for thought, things to consider, and so I'm just so grateful that you are considering these issues with me. And thank you, thank you for going along this journey through the Gospel of Luke with me. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Unlearning Podcast. If you have time, please consider writing a rating and a review and sharing this show with your friends and family. I would love to connect with you on Instagram and Twitter at Ashley L. Hankst, or you can connect with me on my website at AshleyLHanks.com. Until next time, this is Ashley L. Hankst, and you are listening to the Unlearning Podcast. Watch out.